So New Year's Day is one of those uh, weird holidays. Don't know quite what to make of it. Um, it it's uh, funny. Uh, I read a, a devotional this week from Martin Luther who said that uh, any pastor who talks about New Year's on uh, New Year's Day is an idiot. and uh, faithless and all of that kind of stuff because the lectionary says that on uh, the first Sunday after Christmas you're supposed to uh, preach on uh, Jesus being presented in the temple and his uh, circumcision and it's all about him becoming under the law for us so uh, that is uh, absolutely true but then I also read another guy that I respect who said you know, uh, the fact is, New Year uh, is a time for grace and mercy because, uh, uh, you know, the Lord kind of puts the earth in this cycle and uh, we mark this as the end of one cycle and the beginning of another. And so that could be a good one. So I'm going to uh, make Martin Luther upset today because I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, what to think about the new year. Uh, but before I do that, we're going to do that by the, uh, the vehicle of Psalm 96. Uh, but before I do that, let me pray. Father, we come to you today uh, thanking you for your uh, faithfulness. Uh, you are before all things, and because you are before all things, and you own all things, and you uh, uh, reign over all, uh, we have uh, hope uh, because you're good. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to entrust ourselves to your goodness this year, uh, that you would, by your Spirit, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your goodness, uh, that we would be quick to respond, uh, as the psalm we're about to read says in song. So would you bless us with that today, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 96 says this, this is the word of God, we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So it is New Year, and uh, so I don't know if you're in the habit of this, of making resolutions or not for years and years and years. I thought that was a dumb thing. That was a very works-oriented, very man-centered approach to life. Uh, but I've since uh, changed my mind about that because I'm such a, a 
sinner, you know, resolving to do better is probably a good thing, right? And so, uh, uh, and those of you who know me well know that I have the, the same two uh, resolutions every year, and that is I talk less, but listen more, which I've already violated. <laughs> and uh, the other one is to get outside more, which... Uh, uh, just because I find it refreshing and helpful and clarifying to spend as much time uh, outdoors as I can. What I, I, I want us to do something a little different with that uh, uh, today, though. I, I want us as a church to resolve this year in 2023 to sing more. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, in worship or just in our gatherings, but wherever we are, whatever we are doing, wherever we find ourselves, uh, to sing the good news. Uh, and the reason for that, Lukey, you can go ahead and put my uh, uh, um, notes up there, is because the, the realities of the Christian faith are so glorious, so great, so beautiful, so valuable, they will never be adequately experienced or expressed simply by written or spoken language alone. They must be sung. And one of the things that we miss about this, because we have, you know, the biggest book in the Bible, which is the Psalms, which are largely not just poems, but they are written to be sung. Because there is something about human beings, the way God has hardwired into us, that when we encounter the beautiful, when we encounter the stunning, when we encounter the good and the great, and even when we encounter the hard and the sad, that one of the ways that God has given to us to uh, speak to that, to acknowledge the beauty and the hardness, the joys, and the sorrow of life is to sing. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's funny about our office is I will often sit and uh, I, I get here early and I hear people coming in and I can tell a lot about how a person's day is going to be if they come in whistling or singing or humming on the way uh, uh, in the work. It doesn't necessarily, you know, sometimes it might be some kind of crazy, you know, song, but it's, it's a good thing for us to see that. It's also a good thing for us to recognize that singing is one of the gifts that God gives to us in our sadness. Uh, to lift our eyes and to remind us of the beauty of the God that we worship. Uh, one of the questions that I often get from people who come here for uh, memorial, ser memorial services is, you're singing? at a memorial service, and I'm like, of course we are. Why wouldn't we, right? Because that gives voice uh, to the tremendous sorrow that we feel. It gives voice to the tremendous grace of God uh, and gives voice in a beautiful way to the fact that uh, this Bible tells us that God is near to the brokenhearted, and so we can sing. Even sing to him in our joy, but even more so maybe in our sorrows. Next slide. 
So one of the things that we have to remind ourselves about this is, is that sometimes what we, we tend to think is that we are locked in a battle in our world over the truth. And there's no doubt about that, right? That the truth matters and that we need to have a sense of that, uh, an assurance that the things that the Bible tells us about God, the things that Jesus reveals to us about himself and about us, about the nature of the world and about the nature of atonement and about the, the nature of all those things, that truth really matters. But one of the things that happens to us is, is that the truth simply becomes words on a page to us or a means to an argument, when in fact what we miss about that is the sheer beauty of what we are talking about. The beauty of the fact that there is a God who made us, who will not leave us alone, who must pursue us even up and in and through the point of death to win us to himself forever and ever. You see, one of the things that we have to see about this, and one of the things that I think makes some of our, our truth-telling and our truth-upholding not so effective is because uh, we've lost the sense, often, of the beauty, the glory of what it is that we hold to be true. It's true. It is true. Jesus was real. God exists. Those things matter. But the fact of the matter is, they're not simply theological tenets or words on a page, but they are the very music and the very poetry of the Trinity given to us to lift our eyes, to shape us, to see the fact is that what the, the one that we worship is the source of, of beauty. Sometimes I think we just, we just miss that and we forget, you know, that in the hubbub and then in the, the struggle of life that what we're talking about is not just the truth. It is the truth, but it's a beautiful truth, right? Jesus is beautiful. That's one of the things that I think we often miss about that is that the, 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 the fact of the matter is for us, um, what happens to us is that he simply becomes a teacher or simply a means to an end. But Jesus is compelling because of who he is and what it is that he has done for us. The creation that we walk around in is beautiful. You know, the, the, I, I determined today as I, as I was praying out front that every day this year is going to be as beautiful as this one. <laughs> right? As pleasant, blue sky... It's like, obviously, this is the way it's going to be 364 more days this year, right? And then the wonder of it all is though we, left to our own devices, would seek to make ourselves not as beautiful or we seek uh, smaller ways, or as the text tells us, false idols that we think will promise us a beautiful life or beauty. The fact of the matter is we have the commitment of Jesus not just to save us, but to work on us and in us and through us. And part of what he's doing is it's not just that he's put, he's helping us, empowering us to put off the, the old man, to put off sin and to put on righteousness. What, what he's actually doing is he is beautifying us. He is remaking us into something that is stunning, something that is glorious, 
something that is beautiful and wonderful. And, and the mystery and the joy of that shouldn't be lost in the struggle that we often find ourselves in in this life. And frankly, you know, that's one of the things that I think that as I tell you that I would like for us to resolve to sing more this year is, I think singing might be the vehicle that would help us to get in touch with the beauty of sound and the beauty of the creation, the beauty of the cross, the beauty of the resurrection, the beauty of the second coming, the beauty of the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit in us. Because the fact is, our truth, just as it the the truth is perfectly joined in God, is joined with beauty. And if we find it beautiful, not just useful, I think that will assist us as the text tells us that we sing these songs to the Lord and we sing these songs to the nations to help open the eyes and the ears of folks to see the beauty of the God who has sought us, bought us, the God that we worship. Next slide. Now, a couple of things to note about what he says here. First of all, he says to sing a new song. I know that uh, for some people, you know, a new song is what we're all shooting for, right? And then for some of you, hate anything that was written after 1700, right? I mean, uh, and so we always have these debates about, let's sing more new music, let's sing more old music, let's, let's whatever. The fact is, uh, when the psalmist here, he's not uh, uh, a, uh, a, a proponent of contemporary Christian music, whether that's a good thing or not, I'll leave that up to you. But the, what he is a proponent of is that we have less a new composition, but a song in light of a fresh experience of God's goodness and grace. Right? His mercies are new every morning. Right? And so when we have that experience, that, that sense of the freshness and, the, and, and we, we are struck again uh, in our feeling lives, in our hearts, about the goodness uh, and the tender mercy of our God to us, what does it do to us? But it opens our heart up and enables us to sing, right? We want a fresh seeing of God's goodness that leads us to joy, and that joy leads to singing. But the other thing to note about this is, not only are we singing to God, which is uh, uh, something that I've, I would imagine that he finds so pleasurable, which is an interesting thing about God. Recently, I was sitting beside one of you uh, at a service, and we were singing, and I was just struck by how terrible a singer this person was sitting next to me. Just like, wow. That guy can't sing a lick. You know, I don't think I can sing very good, but I'm like, you're pumping me up, man. I am way ahead of you, you know. No remedial singing for me. But I, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, what I, as I thought about that, of course, you know, this is the, my mental gymnastics. I'm like, shame on you, Steve. How could you, how could you think that? Do you think God's impressed with beautiful singing more than horrible singing? He made the vocal cords. He made the scale. Do you think he's impressed by the quality of your diaphragmatic breathing and your that, that sort of thing? No, no. That's not what we're talking about at all, right? Uh, because the fact of the matter is our singing is not just to God, as this text tells us, 
but it is to the nations. And this is an important thing for us to understand, that what the psalmist is teaching us is, is that the beauty and the compelling and the captivating nature of the wonder of a God who knows us and who loves us and who draws us to himself calls us forth to sing. And as we, as we sing, we sing back to our God, but we are also singing to the nations a beautiful song, a wonderful song, a song that is dripping with the freshness and the newness of God's grace. And what does that do? That draws the nations, right? But not only that, what we also read here too is that we, if, if we're going to sing to the nations, we may have experiences where the nations don't like our song or they find it out of tune or they may find it difficult or hard to imagine, or they may mock that. Well, the fact is, when you are singing because you have a fresh and a new experience of the goodness and the greatness of God, as, as this text tells us, right, that we tell of his salvation from day to day, we declare his glory, his marvelous works, all of those things, that we see him in the beauty of his sanctuary, we see his strength, we, we see his reign, we see his work in the creation and in our lives, and uh, in the work that he's doing, as we do that, the fact is, the fact that we have a song to sing will strengthen us for the days that are hard. The fact that we have a song that captivates our hearts with beauty will help us when the days are long and dark. The fact that we have a, 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 a song that is uh, compelling uh, to uh, our Lord in heaven will help us when what we're singing doesn't seem to be that compelling to anyone else. Next slide. Um, one of the things that I think is important for us to see about this is, and one of the reasons why it is so important to sing even when you don't feel like it, and even when you are struggling, is that singing the song of the gospel will strengthen you for the worst days of your life. It's not to be missed that when Jesus met with his disciples for the last time at the Last Supper, he announced to them, he knew that this was the end of his life. He knew that even one of them sitting at the table with him would betray him, and he knew that one of them sitting at his table would also deny him to his face in his hour of need. And so we read this, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. It's not just a liturgical element. It's not just a thing there that the Son of God found it necessary before he enters into that monumental struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane before he would face his own death. That what did he do? What was the last thing he did with his disciples? Is they sang a hymn. They sang a song. And I believe that we should take from that the fact that this singing strengthened and encouraged him in the midst of the need 
that he knew was about to fall upon him, the hardship, the difficulty, even his very death that was going to, to, uh, to fall upon him. Next slide. Um, and so what, what I want you to see about this is, is that singing is not so much a command, but the almost spontaneous response to seeing the goodness and glory of God in loving us in providing for us, in giving us atonement, in giving us righteousness, and in giving us full rights as his children, heirs in Christ, right? Uh, singing bears witness to our confidence in victory over all the false gods that would make war against us, that would tempt us, that, that we rush after, and all the false kings and governments. You see, that is a wonderful thing for us to, to, to recognize is, is that the song that we sing, uh, the beautiful song that we sing about the glorious nature of God's grace to us, uh, puts in the dust all of the false things that we might be uh, tempted to put our confidence in. We see this, next slide, when uh, uh, Moses led the children of Israel through uh, uh, the Red Sea, it says this, he says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Your enemies crushed beneath your feet. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses, said, uh, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown uh, into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. You see, that's a beautiful thing for us to understand, that one of the things that singing does for us is it clarifies us to the true nature of reality, for us, the true nature of reality. It shows to us, it helps us to see and to know what's real. And that's even particularly more true when you hear other people joining their voice with you in singing this, because we're agreeing together that the Lord is our salvation, that, that his work for us, in us, and through us is true and real and beautiful, and it moves us in ways that other things don't move us. It moves us to sing. Next slide. And then lastly, we sing because we believe in the beauty of a crucified Savior. And I want to I be very clear about this again, that even our suffering and our grief is beautified by the work of Christ. We'll gather here on Wednesday at 11 o'clock and we'll sing. in a moment, uh, in a time of devastation, confusion, grief, sadness. Because the fact of the matter is when we sing together like that, it's not that it makes us feel better. It does that to some degree. Does, does it change things in a sense? Maybe a little. But what it does do is it joins our voices with other people's voices 
to declare the beauty and the goodness of the fact that our God does not stand apart from us in our suffering, but that the, the Christ that we sing about is the crucified one, the one who knows suffering, and in fact, who took our suffering uh, uh, in his own body. You know, one of the things that I think we often miss about the nature of the gospel is the beauty uh, that Jesus Christ, even now glorified, uh, demonstrates for us that there he is in heaven, bearing the scars in his glorified body that are beautiful because they are the means. His suffering was the means whereby we have hope, we have forgiveness of sins, we have righteousness, we have adoption as full sons, right? And so, so I think it is a, it's a powerful and, and profound thing for us. You know, we are, we're such autonomous individuals, right, that one of the things that we we often think about is, you know, I'm going to stand apart from this. I'm not going to join the chorus. Because I just don't feel like singing, right? That's not a singing problem. And that's not a music selection problem. That's a heart problem. That perhaps you're missing the beauty of the goodness and the love of God to us right, to you, for giving you life and breath and strength, for giving you himself, right? Um, and so I think that's one of the ways that we bear witness to the fact that even in suffering, our singing uh, is a witness to the fact that we are being beautified even in our suffering and even in our darkest days by the work of Jesus Christ. You see, we can't ask the nations, the peoples, to see the beauty of God and sing if we don't see it and we're not singing. Right? Um, and you see, that's the thing. This is, this is one of the things that I think is um, so profound about this is that we talk about this often, right? That all of history is heading to a big party. All of history is heading to a big meal gathered with the, the lamb as our uh, spouse will be gathered together at his table forever and ever. But one of the things that we'll do uh, in eternity, one of the things that is clearly talked to us about in the book of Revelation at the end of all things and at the beginning of eternity is, is that we will sing. Right? All of history is headed toward the part where we will sing the mighty power of God to win the nations, and he did that through our singing. You see, John paints this picture for us in Revelation, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. When I was a kid, um, we, uh, when we would have uh, family gatherings, uh, and I don't, I, I don't recommend, you could do this if you want to. I, don't, I, I think it 
it would probably be if you suddenly went home and told your family you're going to start doing this, they might think you've lost your mind. But what, what we used to do is we would eat a big meal together, and then one of my aunts, who had several of them who could play the piano, we would go into the living room of my grandfather's house. There was an old, uh, really creaky, upright piano in there, and one of my aunts would start playing um, gospel songs. My, the favorite of our family was from a group called the Chuck Wagon Gang. <laughs> I know, it sounds like, a, sounds like the Lone Ranger or something like that, right? But, uh, uh, and we would sing these gospel songs for hours at a time after we ate. And I think about that, and I think about what uh, that uh, what a witness that was to me uh, as a kid that what you do when you gather with your people in grief and in sorrow, in joy and victory. As we eat, we enjoy the provision of our God and we sing because our hearts have been warmed and moved and healed by the work and the love of God to us in Jesus Christ. And so we sing. Um, I hope and I pray uh, that uh, God would take a tiny step in and through us this year to win the nations through the song that we sing to our Savior. Hear now these words of institution of the Lord's Supper. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Would you join me now in confessing our sins? Let's, let's confess our sins. Holy Lord, you have prepared your salvation in the presence of all peoples. Yet we confess that we have not followed the light of your word. We have not been consoled by your presence and have sought comforts of our own design. We have not sought your will or trusted your good news to be good. We have failed to rejoice at your son's coming and refused his peace on earth. We have hoped for little from you, and the very thoughts of our hearts are revealed in the light of the glory of your great mercy toward us. Pray with me. Forgive our unbelief and renew us by your Holy Spirit that we might eagerly worship you, that we may watch and wait and once more find the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to be our greatest joy. Amen.
brothers and sisters, hear these words of encouragement. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now, ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. As we gather here on uh, this first day of 2023, it is a good thing for us to remember uh, uh, the great mercy of our God to us and to remember and, uh, that he holds on to us come what may. Uh, that we are his, uh, and that he is ours, and that is our hope, that is our trust, and that is our confession. Uh, when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death, which means his victory, his triumph over sin and death on our behalf. And we do this in faith and hope. Uh, that he is here among us, nourishing us, strengthening us, and enabling us by beautifying us by his Holy Spirit uh, to look more and more like the beautiful Savior that we worship. Uh, if you have professed your faith in Christ, your trust in him, that his life and death and resurrection are what make you right with God, and you have professed that to a body of believers somewhere, he welcomes you today to come and to taste and see his goodness. Um, and I want you to do something else today uh, as we uh, take the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's so hard and so distracting because you want to get in line and you don't know whether to break in front of the people in front of you and, uh, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. But I want you to take the time today to look around you and I want you to ask God to give you eyes to see the beautiful work that he is doing in you and in your brothers and sisters and as he brings that to mind today, if you see someone here today uh, and you see the beautiful work that God is doing in them, would you tell them? You don't have to sing it to them. Although, uh, although you know, that would be something. Uh, that, that, would, uh, uh, that would be okay too. But would you take this as an opportunity to tell them that you see the beautiful Savior in their grief, in their struggle, in their joy, uh, and uh, just in them. Uh, because part of what we do when we come together to eat and to drink is we want to look for the presence of God doing this work and our brothers and sisters. As the elders come down front uh, this morning to assist me, let me remind you that the outer ring is wine, the inner rings are grape juice. Underneath uh, each cup is a gluten-free uh, wafer. If you're unable to come down front, uh, please uh, raise your hand and we will see to it uh, that you get served. 
Um, and once everyone has been served, we will eat and drink together.